Justin Fields, my ass. That's exactly what I have to say to Justin Fields. Justin Fields blamed his failures. He's 31st out of 32 starting quarterbacks in QBR on his coaching. And then he came back and said, I would never blame my coaches. It's like he's Joe Biden. Don't do as I say. Don't pay attention to what I actually say. I'm going to tell you what I said didn't really mean what I said. I can't wait to rip this clown. Don't at me. Starts now. Hey, welcome. This is a happy birthday to my wife, the lovely Lee Ross Dockich. And no kidding, I forgot today was her birthday. I am a rotten husband. I had set up to go to lunch with my son and play golf with some buddies, and I totally forgot it was her birthday. I can't believe I did that, but I'm going to get to Justin Fields. I mean, look, I tell people or I say that people are dumbasses because, well, I know what a dumbass looks like. This right here. I cannot believe I did that. I am stunned. The most beautiful woman in my world, the love of my life, and I forgot her birthday, and I can't get over this. I just cannot get over this. Justin Fields. Well, yeah, RIP Dan. I can't afford another divorce, so I'm going to have to do some stuff. And by the way, I look like Dorf on golf. Let's get this thing up here. Let's get this thing going. I've been so stressed out because a friend of mine just texted my wife and said, Hey, Dan, happy birthday, Lee. And I'm like, oh, crap, totally forgot. I stand here in front of you naked. I'm going to stand here in front of uh, naked as well. I can't believe it. I feel terrible. I'm not even sure I can go on with the show, but I will. Justin Fields, <sighs> we reminded you three times yesterday. You did? Holy cow. I'm not. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's get to Justin Fields. Justin Fields said this during a press conference. When you say thinking less, what do you think was causing you to think so much, maybe think too much? Um, you know, could be, uh, you know, uh, coaching, I think. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it makes it, you know, uh, they're doing their job when they're giving me, you know, what to look at, stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I you know, can't be thinking about that when the game comes. I prepare myself throughout the week, and then when the game comes, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's time to play free at that point. So, um, you know, just thinking less and, you know, playing more. Yeah, well, coaching. And then he said later on after practice, I would never say it's on coaching. Why? <laughs> Why? Why? You just did. I would never blame a team. You did. You blamed everybody but yourself for this idiotic press conference. I tell you, there are certain guys that are guys, and there are certain guys that aren't, and Justin Fields is not a real guy. And it was ironic, the last quarterback that the Chicago Bears had that had any sack to him, Jim McMahon threw out the first pitch and saying, take me out to the ball game yesterday in Wrigley. So you got this clown representing everything you don't want, particularly in the monsters of the Midway uniform, a Chicago Bear blaming coaching. What? Coaching. Really? It's coaching. <laughs> and then stepping back and saying, no, it's not. What are we doing? What's going on around here? Man, I mean, these athletes are so freaking soft. Justin Fields is such a little batch that it's just giving me gas. I mean, I'm lifting a cheek to Justin Fields like it's my job. He looks like a batch. He plays like a batch, and he is a batch. Awful. 32 starting quarterbacks in the league. QBR 31st. That's what this guy is, and it's coaching. Really? Only Kenny Pickett is worse. Justin Fields' QBR 
is like 22, 22.2. Like that's so awful. It doesn't hardly register, but he's going to blame coaching. Now in his defense, they do have the worst coach in the NFL. There's no one worse than Matt Eberflus. And we told everybody in Chicago, like, I don't just say things like you all say things. I think about things, I study things, I make notes on things, and then I say them, and then you react, and you go, oh, that's crap, man, because some idiot in the media told you it was crap. No, I told you Eberflus was trash, garbage, no good, liked the guy, nice guy, I guess, I don't know him, my wife grew up with him, my wife's ex-husband, best friends with him, and all that kind of stuff, so he's got to be a good dude, but he can't coach blind turkeys and take a dump. He was just next in the line. There's a pecking order. His team was awful. His team fell apart his last year in Indy. They lost to Jacksonville on the road to get eliminated from the playoffs game before that at home. They got whooped by Derek Carr, and somehow this clown got himself a head coaching gig. So Justin Fields probably isn't right. Alan Williams, the defensive coordinator that this clown hired, just had to resign yesterday. I don't know if the feds raided a Hallis Hall. I don't know if the feds raided his house. Who knows? The media is such garbage that nobody really knows. But I told you, because I study this stuff, this guy, Eberflus, was no good. And guess what you just saw? You saw another example of it. Do you think any of the clowns that coach for great coaches would actually say the coach is garbage? I got two words for you. Oh, hell no. Hell no. No, hell no. <laughs> three touchdowns or two touchdowns, three interceptions. There you go. That's it. That's what you got after, after, after two games. And the Bears were supposed to be good. They went out and... <laughs> They got him, DJ Moore. They went out and got Chase Claypool, who's a little batch all onto his own. But they got the worst coaching staff. They got a guy who kind of quit the other day. And by the way, you Colts fans, Allen Williams, whatever comes out of this, maybe he's just sick. I don't know. Who knows? But all I know is he's defensive coordinator and he quit. He was with the Colts. And then Grigson came in and fired him. Who knows why? Grigson left, the Colts dumbasses rehired him. Colts rehired him because he's the African-American coach. That's the only reason. Because the dude has no reputation. But anyway, that's the way the world works. I stand corrected on Sean McVay. Ten-point deficit. Clock ran out. Didn't have time for a uh, kick in an onside kick. McVay, seven-and-a-half-point spread. Down ten, kicks the field goal at the buzzer. McVay then said he didn't realize the gambling implications. He had no idea. And I believe McVay. I coached a 1,000 games over the course of my assistant and head coaching career. And I never knew the spread, and that was intentional. Uh, He said Artis, uh, who apparently is the VP of communications, told me a lot of people in Vegas pissed off about the decision. Clearly was not aware of that stuff. 20, uh, excuse me, 30 to 23, Sean McVay settled for a field goal at the end of the game. was about the worst possible outcome for an otherwise okay day. That's Jeffrey Benson, Director of Operations, Circus Sports. Well, yeah. You know, I was arguing with my crew here about it wasn't a meaningless field goal, meaning kick the field goal, onside kick, get it, you got a chance. But I did, then I read it a little bit deeper and it's like, oh, wait a second here. Hold the phone. Hang on. No. Uh-uh. Nope. Look, at the end of the day, 
Who knows why he did it? But I'm, a lot of people are glad he did it. A lot of people are mad he did it. But do yourself a favor, Sean McVay. Don't ever sit in the front seat of the car. Always sit in the back seat. Because if you're in the front seat and two dudes jump in in dark suits, you're going to get a little bit of a necktie. Those people don't play, and you cost a lot of people a lot of money. So be careful. All right, here's the deal. Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson got a burner account, apparently. I don't know if he did. Now, let's break this down. Deshaun Watson was god-awful. Deshaun Watson, 22 of 40. 235 yards of touchdown. Also a pick six and a fumble. What have I told you about Deshaun Watson? Not as the pervert, but Deshaun Watson as the damn guy, as the quarterback. Deshaun Watson, ladies and gentlemen, stinks. I don't trust him. I know you all do. I know everybody said he was great. And I would sit there time after time after time again watching him come into Lucas Oil, have great numbers, and screw the game up in the end. You know, they had J.J. Watt, they had Merciless, they had Clowney, all these guys, uh, Hopkins, they couldn't win nothing. Couldn't win a damn thing. I'm just telling you. Could not win a damn thing. So Deshaun Watson apparently is being accused of having this, listen to this, uh, Twitter account under the heading Gainesville's Own, which is Deshaun Watson's hometown. Now, Deshaun Watson, uh, Gainesville's Own, blamed everybody but Deshaun Watson. I assume we have some of the tweets from Gainesville's Own. But Deshaun Watson blamed everybody else. You see it here. Look at all these. He got sacked on first down. Free number four. His birthday party caused his line to not block, he's still there. I mean, here is a ton of it. Look at all this. And Deshaun Watson is being accused. I don't know. Somebody did a timeline, said it wasn't him. Other people, who it could be a friend. It could be a buddy. It could be his wife or uh, one of the uh, masseuse girls. I don't know. People want to try and break down Watson. All right. Everything, but it is pretty funny. And because of Kevin Durant and others, Guess what? Deshaun Watson is now under scrutiny, and I am here for it. Look, six sacks, four fumbles, interception, two defensive touchdowns. It wasn't a great day. It wasn't a great day for Watson. But I got to tell you, does he get a burner account? Might as well. Hey, look, if you're going to catch all kind of hell, get yourself a nice burner. I got one. I got one because one year, I don't know what happened uh, when I was at Emmis. All of a sudden, I don't know, something happened and my, my account got deactivated. So I got me a burner. Dan Dockage, same thing. It may be at D Dockage. I don't know. Eh, every once in a while I post on it. I've made no bones. It's not a burner. It was an extra account. And then when this account got reactivated, we're all good. All right, this is still disturbing and this is not going to end well. This is not going to end well. Former Colt, Sergio Brown, Notre Dame grad, Maywood High School. Man, now... The authorities are looking for him. We told you that this is what was going to happen. Police are now on the hunt for Sergio Brown. He looked crazy. He was confirmed by Maywood police to be in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. His mother, Myrtle Simmons Brown, was found murdered. She was found attacked. She was found in a creek. And apparently, Sergio Brown then took off and was seen doing stuff with clothing. Now, I never know what to believe, but I also know what I know, and this always ends up the same way. If a wife gets killed, 
usually the husband. Husband gets killed, it's usually gambling, sex, or the wife. I mean, look, I'm sorry. I know we're innocent until proven guilty, except, of course, if you're Russell Brand or any Republican, but we get the deal. Sergio Brown, I got to tell you, this is going to end one of two ways, jail or dead. That's what I'm seeing. You tell me I'm wrong, I will absolutely listen to you. Uh, Jimmy Patero, I'm dying to email him because he always emails me back, but Jimmy Patero is the head of ESPN. And ESPN is reeling. People don't trust them. I watched this morning, some blonde girl couldn't have been duller, boringer, or dumber. But Jimmy Patero, the head of ESPN, is telling all of us, telling all of us, he wants to be clear that quality journalism has been more of a priority at ESPN. Impossible. It's just dumb. I mean, what are you talking about? No, it's impossible. It is not quality journalism when you get rid of, when you get rid of, ladies and gentlemen, Sage Steele, and you keep whatever that little blonde clown was that was on TV just now this morning. She's still on your TV. Somebody tell me your name. And you keep L. Duncan, and you keep Stephen A. Smith, and you keep other idiots that just spew nonsense. I mean, I'm going to get into it. I mean, Stephen A. Smith said that Otani isn't worth a free agent contract. Now, if Otani was black, he'd be worth every dime, according to Stephen A. Smith. Don't even try to tell me, Jimmy Patera. I love you. We do research on our brand. Our brand has never been healthy, especially with younger people. The most important trait that we look for is trust. We have to be there. We have to be present. We have to have the facts. No, you, no, 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 no. You're garbage. No, no, no. It, it, you know, I, it's like me saying, you know what? We do a lot of research, and my hair looks great. No, it really does. I mean, I ask people, well, how's my hair look? Well, it looks fantastic. I don't have any hair. I ask what that is. I mean, maybe it is healthy. Maybe people like it. I don't know. What do I know? But I know this. Don't tell me about journalists because I know these people. I do. I know all these people. Not one's a journalist. When you go to ESPN, according to people that have been there, ESPN a long time, all the women of ESPN just are insane like yelling and screaming and just being idiots in the makeup room, in the green room, just being complete clowns. And I know why. It's like politicians. People that aren't used to getting a little attention don't know how to act when they get a little attention. It's just the way it is. I mean, I've seen it for years with politicians. People always say, why do politicians do such stupid things? Well, think about it. Most of the politicians that you see were little nerdy guys. Same with sports writers. Then they get a little attention. They don't know how to handle it. ESPN's full of crap. If you're going to get rid of Sage Steele and you're going to keep L. Duncan, Stephen A. Smith, you're going to keep Nicole Briscoe, then you got nothing. I'm not even getting into some of them. Whoever that little blonde girl was, she was an idiot. I mean, that was like watching Channel 50 in Northwest Indiana, public TV, watching this clown. And I've seen her before, which means she's on there. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Don't at me, people. Don't at me. I tell you this all the time. I tell you this all of the time. Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell is one of the true idiots in football. Le'Veon Bell at one point was the best running back in the NFL. His patience was unbelievable, and then he would find a hole, and he would extend through it. Le'Veon Bell did what idiots do. He had a good situation. He, Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, three clowns. Next thing you know, Le'Veon Bell held out, went to the Jets, another idiot's thing. Next thing you know, he's out of the league. But now Le'Veon Bell, like I always tell you, idiots always want to come back. Honest to God. 
Here's the deal. Here he is. Here's Le'Veon Bell spewing his Michigan State education. Whoever this girl is is just a clown. Anyway, go ahead. Hold up, y'all. Did y'all see how strong your boy is? Oh, bruh, your boy is strong. Now, there you go. He can go give him 20 carries. There you go. Look, guys realize, you know, that one-third social justice degree that you get from Michigan State, or even the degree you get from Michigan State. Hell, he may have graduated with honors. I don't know. But if he did, that Michigan State degree ain't getting you nothing. I mean, you can go to Michigan State, unless your name is Matt Ishbia, you got nothing. I mean, it's the worst place in the world. They're sitting there, Michigan State, and they got Larry Nasser right there. They got all kind of bloggers. They got all kind of media people. And not one person in and around Michigan State knew it. Not one person was able to say it. It's an idiotic place. It's an evil place. And then, ladies and gentlemen, the Indy Star had to break the Nasser story. And then, ladies and gentlemen, Mel Tucker, he gets outed by Michigan State media? Of course not. No, USA Today. It's a horrible place. And this guy's the perfect example of the stupidity at Michigan State. There is no worse place. No, there's not. I mean, I guess there is. Maybe Brown or Oberlin's probably worse. But Michigan State's in the top five. They just have more more alumni. Uh, Jolton Joe Biden. Jolton Joe Biden is back with some talks. Jolton Joe, he's so awesome. I mean, America's most arrogant human being, Jolton Joe, is back with some more word salad. Let's hear from the great orator, dementia-ridden, imbecile-in-chief. Now, even as we evolve our institutions and drive creative new partnerships, let me be clear. Certain principles of our international system are sacrosanct. Let me be clear. This is buddy, 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 buddy. Butter bleep, butter butter butt, bleep, bleep, butt, bleep, bleep, bleep. But but you put. Yeah, let me be clear. This is a butter play shoe, bah, she's. Can you play that again? Can you play that again? We need to evolve our institutions and drive creative new partnerships. Let me be clear. Certain principles of our international system are sacrosanct. Yeah. Yeah, let me be clear. Shoes! I'm reeling. I'm texting my wife right now. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, I can't believe I did that. Anyway, um, here's the deal. Joe Biden is back at it. Apparently, Sohei Otani had an elbow procedure. He's set just a hit. In 2024, and of course that racist, I think he's racist, I don't know. I think Stephen A. Smith wouldn't say nothing about Sohei Otani not being or not worthy uh, at all. I think Sohei Otani uh, would be considered for billions of dollars if he were African-American by Stephen A. Smith. He could be the same player. But we get it. I mean, we all understand it. But we got to call it out when we see it because it's true. Uh, Yeah. It's true. Tell me I'm wrong. I'm not wrong. All right. We have a new hero, ladies and gentlemen. I want to make sure I got this right. And his name is Jeff Taylor. Jeff Taylor is the new hero. Jeff Taylor is my man. Jeff Taylor is it. Jeff Taylor, 
you, sir. The University of Texas San Antonio coach, who's a really good coach, says the game has changed. Yeah, kickers and punters. Back in the day, they just smoked cigarettes and drank beers. But I know you can't do that stuff anymore in America. Can't do any of that fun stuff. Boy, is he right. You imagine pure poly, purebred Susie Rotten Crotch and Joey Bag of Donuts would be all over you. Oh, my God. He's smoking cigarettes. Oh, my God. He's out drinking beer. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? It just gives you a headache, right? I mean, it really just gives you a headache. You know what I mean? <laughs> you can't do nothing in America. Seriously. You're guilty until proven innocent. Until, of course, unless you're a Democrat. And then, of course, you can do whatever the hell you want. Our Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, the head of it actually had the audacity to say, we treat all people the same. Doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you can't do that fun stuff. You can't. Mm-mm. I love that guy. Hey, kickers and punters, man, have a couple cigs. Go stand in the corner. Did you ever see the movie The Replacements? The kicker, the Irish guy, it was hilarious. He was great. He was a kicker. He didn't care. What are you talking about? Hell no. So anyway, long story short, uh, Jeff Taylor's our new hero, and we root for UTSA from this point forward. Hey, you can't do that fun stuff in America. We're all going to be buttoned down. We're going to worry about, oh, my God, he put his hands. He smoked a cigarette. Oh, my God. He said hello. Oh, my God, I didn't like his tone. Oh, my God. People are idiots. Hey, Odell Beckham, I know it's good. It's got to be because everybody keeps going to the well. But you can't date a Kardashian. You're coming off knee surgery. You're coming off being a guy. And I wonder if he was dating her when they were Super Bowl last year or whenever it was, two years ago. I wonder if he was dating Kim Kardashian because there is a curse. Those women are voodoo. They're witchcraft. Seriously. Tristan Thompson, are you kidding me? Hey, Lamar Odom, the most city of city kids from New York City, ends up in a brothel in Vegas ODing on artificial Viagra. That's what these women do to you. Have you heard the name Chris Humphrey, who was married to one of the clowns, Kim Kardashian? Of course you haven't. It's voodoo. It's witchcraft, that thing that they swing around. What are you doing? I don't know what you're doing. I don't know exactly. I mean, I'm sure we're, we're just hanging out. We're just talking. We're just talking. Uh, what's after talking? Well, um, we're, we're dating. If you're dating a Kardashian, you're an idiot. I mean, look, you don't care about your own. You don't care about what's going on in your life. You don't care about those around you. You're a complete dumbass. Don't get entangled with the Kardashians. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez, I did. Oh. <sighs> hey, Donald Trump Jr., his Twitter account was hacked, I think. He said his dad was dead. He was dropping the N-word with an A. He was dropping the N-word with an A. It wasn't him, but he did get it. A, it did get it. Uh, yeah, let's see some of the tweets that came out of Jr. We were... 
There you go. I'm sad to announce my father has passed away. I'll be running for president in 2024. Look, come on. Can't be saying that, Donald Jr. Your dad was just on Megyn Kelly. He called her nasty. (laughs) Megyn Kelly might be nasty, but you know what? I like her. I'll watch her. If she's doing a show, I'll watch it. I mean, what am I going to watch? Dana Hunziger Bembo? (laughs) And by the way, we were having a discussion. Now, again, this is guys playing golf. Who's the hot Fox, former Fox anchor that that guy right there, Donald Trump Jr., is dating? Anybody know? We had this discussion on the ninth hole the other day. We did. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. 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 Lee's like, I don't want you to cancel golf because you feel bad. I don't feel bad. I feel horrible. Uh. The dumbest of mayors, maybe the dumbest of people, a guy named Eric Adams, who is the mayor of New York. I like this move by him, though. He is actually standing up for his people, New Yorkers, not the party, not the imbecile in chief. President Biden is coming to the city. I'm hoping that he understands his beautiful city. That's that's the economic injury of the entire country is really saddled with $2 billion that we spent already, $5 billion we're going to spend in this fiscal crisis, $12 billion in the next two budgetary cycles. New York doesn't deserve this. Everybody should be ripping this idiot. How are you guys not ripping him? How are you mayors that are being killed by these sanctuary city status? You're, you're being exposed as frauds. How are you all not ripping this man? Like in Texas, they're just letting people in now. This girl is such an idiot. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. What are you going to do? You should. You should be ripping everybody. Seriously. Uh, The Rangers owner says, I really don't like owning teams. Basically, every fan thinks of themselves as the owner or the general manager. Yeah? All right. What are you going to do? I don't know. Being a professional sports runner in New York, you're not beloved until you're dead. So what? Who cares? Who wants to be beloved? You want a, you want a friend? Get a dog, Oliver Stone put in. <laughs> That's Gordon Gecko in Wall Street. What are you talking about? You want a friend? Get a dog. Who wants to be beloved? I want good seats. And better yet, I want good parking. I want parking. I do. I want parking. That's the best thing about being an owner. Look, when you get older, the tickets are great, and you want the tickets. But you know what? It's the parking that matters. That's the key. And people don't understand it. When you're younger, you don't understand parking. But as you get older, parking is where the world works. Seriously. All right, Urban Meyer's coming up. I can't wait to talk to Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer visited Colorado. He's the only guy that said, wait a second, Colorado's pretty good. Deion Sanders is doing pretty good also. Carlos Jimenez, he's going to join us. He's a Republican senator. He's a congressman from Florida. We got anti-Semitic festivals going on at University of Penn. Look up Joanna Mellis. Joanna Mellis is America's worst liberal professor. That's who runs these cities. That's not cities. That's who runs these colleges. Why are some of our most elite academic institutions involved in anti-Semitic garbage. It's unfreaking believable to me.
I also got our hero of the week. I got our dunce of the week. We got a lot going on here. We'll be right back with the great Urban Meyer next. Looking for the hottest sportsbook offers? At Outkick, find exclusive promotions, expert picks, and the latest odds. Get in the game at outkick.com slash bet. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. See, my wife is awesome. We got married, and she knew I'm an idiot, so we got married on the 8th of July, 2015. That is 7, 8, 15. 7 plus 8 equals 15. Urban's a freaking genius. He married a woman, Shelly, the greatest coach's wife in the history of coach's wives, in my opinion. Her birthday's Christmas Day, so he can't screw it up. I was telling Urban off the air, it's the first time I've been married like 100 years to a couple different women. And it's the first time I've ever effed this up, big boy. I can't afford a second divorce. I can't afford number two. <laughs> you, did, you did not just say that. You did not just say that. Yeah, it's, I, I don't, you know, a friend of mine texted me and Lee wishing her happy birthday. And I went, oh, shit. You know, like, oh man! You got, you got to, you oh. got to rally up, man. You still got a couple hours. Rally it up. I know, I know. I got no chance, man. I got. It's gonna be bad. Anyway, you are the man. You went to see Colorado. Everybody else was saying Colorado not gonna win more than two and a half games at that time. Then it became three and a half games. But you went and spent time with Deion Sanders. What caught your eye? What made you think these guys got something going here? Uh, I've known Deion a long time. Uh, we did a commercial, uh, uh, I want to say in 05, when I first went to Florida, and we stayed friends. I, We would talk during recruiting, and, and I've always admired Dion. Obviously, he's arguably the greatest athlete to play sports, one of them. And But he, you know, there's a certain narrative and there's certain things you see, but then when you get to know, there's a lot of depth to him. And I really admire him. I, we stayed friends, and I knew we had his first two games, and so I said, you know what, just – to do my, I don't want to speak about something. I have no idea what I'm talking about. So I got in a plane, went to Denver, and he was more than gracious. I sat in every meeting. And the one thing other than player that you that can either lift a program or demise a program immediately is assistant coaches. They are so, and I found this out throughout my career, and obviously you look at our national champions, probably the best group of assistants ever on a staff. I'm talking to Florida 06 and 08. Many went on to be head coach, and then, Ohio State's staff was an all-star staff in 14. So when I left his facility, first of all, Shador, I saw what I saw. I needed to see that because Jackson State's different than Power 5. And I saw Travis Hunter. I saw this group. I saw the speed and athleticism. I also saw very little to no depth. But I called my crew, Brady Quinn, Matt Leiner, Rob Stone, and Mark Ingram. And I said, boys, this is real. This is real, real. That's one of the best college football practices I've ever seen. All I look, I didn't really care about scheme that much. All I care about is effort, discipline. Are you grinding? Because I go, you go to practices a lot nowadays, and people don't grind. 
you know, I, I, I've been around a lot and I, I watch, I'm like, well, that's awful. You know, the, the, the practice is to get better, period. Michael Jordan said it best when he said, why do I practice so hard? Because I want the game to be easy. That's the mentality we always had. That's the mentality Colorado has. You mentioned depth. I thought, and tell me if you agree, I, I thought watching the game that Colorado State was unbelievably physical. I'm not just, you know, the late hits made all the news, but I thought Colorado State was bigger, stronger. I don't know about they were faster, but I thought they were incredibly physical. I thought that Shadir Sanders took an absolute pounding and showed real heart. They able to come back, you know, depth. This is where depth is important. Is it not in a college football season? Well, you're, you're going to find out here. So all due respect to TCU, who obviously played for it all last year. Uh, Nebraska is a rebuild project. Uh, Colorado State, they're a 24-point favorite, but I saw the same thing. And you're going to find out. We're gonna, I'd like to come back in the three weeks and let's have a chat about Colorado because you are going to get punched right in the face in Odson Stadium in Oregon. They are really good. I don't know how great they are. They're good. The stadium's a really tough place to play. I think they've been exposed. If you can keep hitting this quarterback the way Colorado State hit them, I saw the same thing you saw. I thought the game was – I thought that was in the books. I thought that was a wrap. I thought it's over. And to see him – you know, I'm going to talk about this on Big Noon is every coach, you've tried to do it, I try to do it. How do you get your team in adverse situations in practice? Because you have to answer the bell when that happens. And you, you you try. I tried in the weight room in February and March. I made that so hard. So I wanted to see how they respond. In practice, you try to make it hard. You want to know how you do it? You do it in a game. And he is down by two scores. His best player is in the hospital in uh, Denver. And he's on the two-yard line going 98 yards in a minute and a half to go win a game. And the whole country is watching that thing. And he passed the test. So there you go. I mean, he did it. Now, th- these next two weeks are different animals. Well, these next two weeks, I'm going to stay with something here with Shadour Sanders. Look, I don't know. I mean, I'm not – I don't sit there. Michael Penix was here at Indiana, and I thought he was terrific. Now he's doing great things at Washington. Bo Nix has been terrific at Oregon, so they're going to match up. But I got to tell you, Urban, if I'm watching this and I'm a Heisman Trophy voter, my favorite is Shadour Sanders. And – you know, you said it, his best players, best wide receivers hurt. They're getting the hell beat out of him. The game's basically over. Punter makes a great punt. It's down to the two-yard line. He's got to go 98 yards to get a touchdown. And this dude, Urban, he did this like it was easy. I, I know it's not, but he did it like this is what I do. Leave me alone. Yeah, his poise is uh, – he's one of the best break-the-pocket quarterbacks I've ever seen. One-third of all his touchdown passes are after he gets flushed out of the pocket. Think about that. One-third of every touchdown pass is when he gets flushed from the pocket. So uh, he, he is certainly, if not one or two, uh, Heisman candidate favorite right now. Yeah, when, do you, when you know, now that you're a media guy, uh, let me ask you, it's interesting. No, I'm because not. No, I'm not. You're, I'm an analyst. You're a media, no, you're, I'm not. All right, you're, you're a media analyst, and uh, now that you're, you know, do you start thinking about the Heisman before the year? Like, it used to piss me off in basketball. They would ask you for player of the year award in January. And I'm sitting here going, wait a second. Like, why? Because a guy was good in November against Kennesaw State? Like, this is kind of it right now. This weekend is kind of like a dividing line, isn't it, with all the games that we've got, including Colorado, including Notre Dame, Ohio State? This is kind of like, all right, let's go here. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm like you, and I, you know, the Heisman voters sometimes vote before uh, November. Think, think right. about that. You, you know, you're, you're going to vote for a player that hasn't played in the rivalry game or the Iron Bowl or the Ohio State Wolverine game or the Notre Dame USC game. You know, what are you talking about? And then you're not you're going to vote for someone before they play in the conference championship game. So, no, I think I personally think it should all be done after the playoffs. And because that's where the money's been. You know, uh, Coach Belichick would always say when he come down to see me, say, Let, let's watch some videotape of some potential draft picks. But he would tell me, don't show me, you know, the game where you're picked to win by 35 points. Don't watch that. I want to see rivalry games. I want to see championship games. I want to see every fourth down and every third down. And that's the only videotape I'm going to watch. Because at the end of the day, that's when the best players show up. You know, the, I call the other guys bullies. When you play a team that you're supposed to beat, you're called a bully. When you play a team like the Wolverines and you're, it's in the fourth quarter, that's called a player. And, and that's called a coach. You know, when you beat teams, you're supposed to beat the mess out of, okay, you know, what's what, what's against the top 10, you know, or the championships. Let's go have a chat about that. Yeah, that's, I mean, honest to God, Urban, it was like, God dang. I mean, basketball is stupid uh, with that. Let's go to Ohio State, Notre Dame. What's your take so far on Notre Dame? Ooh, they're pretty good. You know, I, I'm doing a segment on them, and so I really watched a lot on defense, you know, and so the dilemma that Coach Stoops and I are – Coach Stoops is joining the, the – I love Coach Stoops. So he's going to join us on the set. It's going to be a really compelling conversation about the, – the game is going to come down to this, is Notre Dame is really good on defense. They're really well coached. They give multiple looks. They pressure a lot, not against the easy teams, but – you can see there's a pattern there. Against They played NC State. They pressured more. Um, now, here's a dilemma. You have a young quarterback, first-time McCord, that's going to play in prime time against a real team. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't disrespect those, but I, I mean a great team, uh, potentially great team. Yeah. At Notre Dame. I mean, are you kidding me? Prime time, millions of people watching this thing. So you're going to – all questions will be answered after the first 30 minutes on Kyle McCord. But the dilemma is this, and I want you to watch this, Dan. The defense coordinator has got a dilemma. You can hang in there and make the quarterback beat you, or you can blitz his tail off and try to get minus yardage plays and put him in a bad situation. Here's the problem. If, if he finds a way to get the ball in his hands of the two top receivers, two top five receivers in the country, I think the best player in the country, Marvin Harrison Jr., if that kid catches a ball and you're blitzing, that might be lights out. So it's going to be – I can't wait to – I mean, so because I watched a lot of film on Notre Dame, and they like to bring it. But they've not faced Marvin Harrison or Dubuka. Uh, they have not faced those two, and they are legit wideouts. Well, let me ask you, because what we talk about mostly, and we have talked about, is quarterback play. You mentioned wide receiver. I, I don't pretend to know nothing. But I know this guy, this estimate, this running back for Notre Dame is a freaking load, this guy. This monster. running back, every time, monster, right? Big, fast, strong. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, how, how, how important or how good, let me ask you this, how good, everybody's going to talk about Sam, or Sam uh, Hartman and all that stuff, but how good is the defensive front? How good is the run defense of Ohio State? Well, to be determined, I think they're much improved. Uh, I think they have some NFL guys there, you know, that 
you know, when we, we hit the lottery a few times, when you, you know, we went through a group of defensive ends called Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, Chase Young, Sam Hubbard, Taekwon Lewis, and Jalen Holmes. I mean, bang, 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 right down the road. And Ohio State has kind of not had that. They've had good players, but they haven't had that top five pick. They got the Sawyer as a much better player, uh, I mean, potentially a high draft pick. Um, they, they have really good players. So the bottom line is going to be, can they hang in there? And this kid is a low. You're going to find out quickly. You know, I don't know if Notre Dame's got the juice on the outside to complement that big running back. Uh, we're going to find out because once again, this time of year, you know, you get Nor- Notre Dame at least went and played a good North Carolina State team on the road and they dominated them. Ohio State, you watch those games and you're like, ooh, you know, they're, you know, it's just not very good. And uh, they dominate. So I, you know, after the first 30 minutes, man, it's going to be. I think you're going to, the game's going to be decided. My alma mater only lost 20 to 3, and you'd have thought Indiana won a national championship playing at home against Ohio State and keeping it, keeping it that freaking close. Uh, let me ask you uh, Michigan, you were very vocal about non conference schedule, about Michigan's schedule. You know, basketball, again, man, you had a schedule, RPI. You started it, really. You started it 100 years ago. I think you went down to Virginia Tech and maybe even got beat in an opening game, and then you were playing games against uh, against uh, frickin' Oklahoma, you know, that kind of thing. Michigan non-conference, um, you can still get to the playoffs playing a crap schedule, can't you, if you're Michigan or Ohio State? I, I'm really worried about this. You know, I just I, I see Georgia's schedule. I see and, and the Wolverines used to have a good schedule. They used to play Notre Dame every year. You know, they used to right. you know take the approach. Ohio State's always kind of taking an approach, and I agree with it. You take a big boy, you take a medium, and then you take a, a smaller school. And I wish there was some way to regulate that or punish people that don't do that. Uh, and you say you know I, I've heard that matters. I'm here to tell you it doesn't. You know, I've, I've watched Oregon play at Auburn or at a neutral site in the South. They got beat. If they didn't play that game, they wouldn't have been in the playoffs that year. So if I'm a if I'm an AD and a coach, what's your number one objective? Is it to appease the fans, to do the right thing for college football, to create these incredible showcase moments? No, your job is to get to the playoffs, and that that's it. So I'm I'm worried. Uh, I I don't know what the answer is. I yeah, you do. It's called. Uh, NCAA basketball. You come up with a formula, and if you play a bad schedule, you get penalized. That's the smartest thing they've done. Eastern Michigan, East Carolina, UNLV. Bowling Green actually played them pretty well last week for a long time, and then they got beat. I mean, their schedule, Michigan's, is, I mean, in a word, it's embarrassing. You know, um, when when you look across the Big Ten, Urban, what, what do you see? Ohio State, Michigan, Everybody else is Penn State in there. We got a mess going on at Michigan State. What do you see? I see Penn State right there. You know, I see uh, Penn State. It's the best team in 15 years on paper. Really? It's the best. They, they've had some good teams now. McSorley and Saquon Lewis were there. Saquon Barkley, excuse me. Uh, when they had those cats, they were really, they won the Big Ten, won the, won the Rose Bowl. So this is the best team I've seen in 15 years. They are certainly, they go to Ohio State and they have the Wolverines at home. By the way, we have those two games, and that's going to be the play-in play for the playoff. Because one of those teams will make the playoff. I don't think two can. And then the other team is Iowa. You know, I, I love when he takes, you know, people give him a hard time, uh, Brent. All high, 
you know, I, I don't see that. I see a winner. I see consistency. I see a guy that, you know, uh, I've known him. I've coached against him. He's tough as hell. His program's tough as hell. It's a great place to go. Uh, you know, it's a great, it's hard as to go play there. So I think Iowa is going to be standing at the end as well. I think it's Iowa and the three big boys from the East. Got to ask you about Florida, the Urban Meyer Bowl, Florida against Utah. And we got another freaking Urban Meyer Bowl. We got Ohio State, uh, Notre Dame. I just thought of that. Jesus Christ, you're all over this place. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Florida gets beat by your guy Whittingham, who is one of the best coaches in the country nobody ever talks about. And then they look lights out against Tennessee. The SEC catching a little hell. What's your take on Saban? What's your take on Florida, Tennessee, that whole league right now? Yeah, SEC, this is historically down year, and it's not just they're losing. It's when you watch them on film, it doesn't look the same to me. Alabama's got more than a quarterback issue. Um, but, you know, it's a lot of football left, and obviously he's got a great coach. But the one thing about Nick Saban, and I struggled with this, he has not. When you lose your coaches constantly, it's that's a problem. And you, if it's like a great player. You, you replace a great player with a lesser player, it's not a rocket science, you're not going to be as good. Those assistant coaches, man, I'm telling you, their value is unreal, the great ones. And you lose a great one and you bring in someone else that's not focused, that you know, that has other intentions, which nowadays that happens quite a bit. And it's different. I don't know if that's a problem in Alabama or not, uh, but the SEC is not the best conference in the country right now. I don't think they're the second best conference in the country right now. So they are, it's a problem. Here, let me tell you about Florida. You know, Billy Napier needed that. That was a must win. And what happened our first year in 2005, we, we were struggling. You know, we were up and down. I think we were seven and two at the time. But it was, we, we weren't playing well. And we played Florida State, Bobby Bowden. That's how long ago it was. But Bobby Bowden had a top five team, came into the swamp, and we beat him 34 to seven. I took, I think, 10 commitments after that game in our locker room. Everybody singing and dancing and, that was the place to be. The swamp was electric. I think this game might have flipped the switch for, for him. He's got a great recruiting class coming in. I got news. If they would have lost that game, I don't think he signs all those players. So I think that was a huge win for Billy Napier. and I think it's a program win for him. Number one and number two, which conferences are one and num- one, two, if you've got the SEC three? Well, I think the Big Ten is number one. And you're going to love this one. I think the Pac-12 is number two. And I think the Pac-12 is close to being number I think Washington, you know, write that one down in Sharpie. And Washington, there's a chance that one's going to be standing at the end of the season. They're really I, – I don't know the coach, but Matt Leiner and those guys really know that area, know that – you know, I, I ask them a lot about it. I watch them. That Washington outfit, that's for real. I think USC's for real. I think they're playing better defense than they have. We'll find out here soon, but – uh, I think the Pac-12 is the second-best conference in America. It's driving Indiana fans crazy. We had Michael Penix right here beating Michigan, beating Penn State, and now next thing you know, he's got to go. Uh, hey, uh, speaking of USC, they suspended – I thought this was awesome. Uh, they suspended a writer. They suspended him for two weeks. You ever suspend a writer? Oh, I wish I could. No. <laughs> you know, I just don't read them, and I still don't. Oh, man, the dude apparently uh, – I mean, uh, this question came in from my producer. Your wife was born 
on Christmas, does she ever make veiled references that she might be the chosen one, that she might have had, you know, gold, frankincense, and myrrh at her, at her birth, three wise men, a gold, you know, star over? Does she ever... No, oh. she's she's actually she's actually humble, but she does say Jesus Christ was born on Christmas. So was Jimmy Buffett. So was Shelly Meyer. So it was a good day. She she reminds us all the time. But and rest his soul, we were both. I know you love Buffett, Jimmy Buffett. My God, that was that was my guy, man. I love hey, the guy. I think you told me this story. Tell me if this story is accurate. You're walking into a game somewhere. And some old guy on a park bench says, hey, Urban. And you look over and you walk over and it was Jimmy Buffett in a hat. Is that a true story? Do I remember that wrong? No, Super Bowl uh, 2007. We just won the national championship of Florida. Charlie Strong and our wives, we went to, got invited to the Super Bowl. Walking into the stadium, all of a sudden, hey, you know, and I, I look over and I'm like, wait a minute. And he goes, Urban Meyer. And I thought, what? Jimmy Buffett. So I... That was when my life said, you know what? And even Shelly said, Jimmy Buffett recognized you. So, and we, we became friends from that day forward, went to probably 20 concerts. Uh, Mac McAnally and his crew, uh, Michael Utley. And I'm a huge fan of Jimmy Buffett. Great person. Yeah. Yeah, man. See, you know, my wife always reminds me that there's only one All-American in this family. She's like, hey. There's only one All-American in here, so shut your mouth and do what I do. And I kind of got to give it to her. You know what I mean? I mean, sometimes wives will crush your soul with that crap. Sure. All right. Hey, uh, last, last thing. You're a big Justin Fields guy, right? Love him. I love Justin Fields. Justin Fields, I, I I, think him, he he was responsible for the Big Ten play in the year that they had COVID. He would not. When he was told to back down, the coaching staff was told to stand down. Every I was there, and they were told to stand down because someone made a decision to bail on the and uh, Justin Fields. I, I think, the, and I'm, I hope people listen to this. I don't think people understand how hard those athletes. They don't get ready for a game. That's their whole life getting ready for that season. And someone says you're not going to play, so that's why I love Justin Fields. And, and plus, I think he's. You get don't don't bail on Justin Fields. Justin Fields is going to be like Alex Smith. Everyone said, well, Alex Smith. No, Alex Smith got caught on a really bad team. Alex Smith got caught with, uh, you know, they were last in defense, last in special teams, and last in offense, and it was Alex Smith's fault. No, it's not. Justin Fields, just just keep staying in there with him. You know, hey, side note about Alex Smith. I, I happened to catch him on the NFL show. He's really good on TV. He's really good. Yeah, he'd be good at a CEO of a – multi-billion dollar company, and obviously he was a great player. Alex Smith was once in a lifetime. What do you got today? You got your hat on. I'm trying to get, but judged by the gear, it looks like a little golf today. Maybe some film work in golf. Doesn't look like pickleball attire. Maybe you already did that. Film work. Uh, most of it's done. Golf. And then I got to get some exercise and get on a plane and fly out today. All right, brother. Appreciate it. As always, my he, friend. I'm going to see are you eating, are Dan? Are you eating healthy? Are you, you look good. Uh, yeah, I'm. Mean, I am. I'm trying to. Yeah, I've been working out a lot. I'm. I'm built like a brick shit house right now. You, I'm ready to you go. You look great. I know you. I know you made the comment about hair. Oil. You look fantastic. You look in shape. You look lean. You look really intelligent. You look great. You had me until the last one. You look really intelligent. 
I look like a big, dumb, meathead, bald coach, and I hate it. If I could put fake hair on this head, I would. You got great And you're still hair. the best. And no, you're still the best neighbor, the best neighbor I have ever had. So love you. Thanks, brother. Love you too. Thanks for coming on, my friend. That's a damn coaching clinic with Urban right there. That's better. You're never going to hear stuff. That's so good right there. He's the best guy on TV. I, I will say it. And I'll say it forever. Uh, best dude on TV, right there. I mean, when he talks on TV, he talks about the freaking game, and he show. He's taught me stuff. Like I've always said, I didn't know the fullback was the most important person you got to stop in the wishbone offense. And then I watch this other stuff, and it's a damn master class on Big Noon Kickoff. You can go watch game day all you want. That's cool. But Urban Meyer's segment on freaking Big Noon Kickoff is the best football segment of the entire weekend. From Saturday morning until Sunday at whatever time Tariko and the boys are off, Sunday night football, on through Monday, it's the best football segment and Big Noon Kickoff because they have him on there is the best show. Now, they got too many guys. It should be like Urban and, I don't know, Brady Quinn and the host. Who knows? I don't know. But he is so freaking good on that that it's just awesome. And you know what? Alex Smith is too, and Dan Mullen's good. So you surround yourself with smart people. That's what Urban has always done. His wife, I say this before and I'll say this again, she is the best coach's wife I have ever been around, and I'm not even sure it's close. Hell, even my ex-wife used to say that. Be like, oh, man, I wish I could be like Shelly, but that ain't who I am. I'm like, okay. But anyway, uh, that was a freaking great, great conversation, and it's a fantastic weekend of college football today or this weekend, and I cannot wait. We're going to talk with Carlos Jimenez, who is the uh, Republican congressman from Florida. We got... We had Bruce Pearl on, and I've told you this before. My family, my brother's side is Jewish. My brother's side is Jewish, all right? And my, my brother's wife. And the, anti, the rise in anti-Semitism was addressed on this show by Tennessee coach Bruce Pearl this week or last week, and it was unbelievable. It really was. And so, you know what? We're going to talk about that. Yeah, you're right. I could go Gene Cady. I'm not mad at going Gene Cady. And when he said I look intelligent, though, I don't think that's true. I think he was stroking me. Don't be stroking Double Dizzle. Double Dizzle sees through bullshit. Always does, always will. But Double Dizzle's got a problem because you can never forget your wife's. My wife had to go make an appointment for a facial for herself. I'm in trouble. I can't afford a second divorce. All right, we'll be right back. Carlos Jimenez is going to join us. Republican, Florida congressman. Can't wait. Let's go. Are you looking for the hottest sportsbook offers? At OutKick, find exclusive promos, expert picks, and the latest odds. Get in the game at OutKick.com backslash bet. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the OutKick network. United States Rep, Republican Carlos Jimenez, nice enough to take a few minutes out of what is, I got to believe, an incredibly hectic schedule. But before we get into that, you are the former mayor of down in Miami. Give me your thoughts on the Dolphins. Tua's got it rolling. 
Yeah, look, we had our doubts about Tua. I mean, we still have, you know, the, the health concerns. Obviously, he's never had really a full season where he's been completely healthy. But when he's there, man, he's uh, his uh, release is what? The, the fastest in the uh, in the NFL right now, uh, yards per attempt. Um, I think McDaniel, the coach, is a uh, heck of a coach, a heck of an offensive mind. He's got, we have unbelievable weapons. Uh, they're bullets. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, I like what the Dolphins are doing. Uh, so we're kind of excited in South Florida. Let's see if we can keep it up. I got to ask you, um, the border crisis made headlines again yesterday with what looks to be some people are calling it an invasion. Some people are calling it the worst crisis to face this country in a number of years. Uh, how? Two questions. One, how is it affecting the state of Florida that you represent. And the second question to me is, why do you feel like our borders are Camilla Harris and her boss, Joe Biden, won't do anything about it? Well, what's, uh, what's it doing to, to Florida, like uh, every other state uh, in the union? Florida, every state now is effectively a border state, uh, even though the, the brunt is being uh, felt by Texas Um in Arizona, New Mexico, and California, because they actually are border states. But these, uh, all these migrants, uh, the millions of migrants that are being allowed into this country are being shipped all over. Look what's happening uh, in New York. The mayor of New York is saying that uh, this could actually, you know, change the what New York is about. Can destroy New York. Uh, and heck, he's only dealing with I think about a hundred thousand migrants in that in that city. And so we've had more than five million people crossing into the United States. You know, that's that's a bigger number than many states uh, population. And so, um, yeah, it's it's a huge financial burden. Uh, New York itself thinks it's going to cost six six billion dollars for those hundred and fifty thousand migrants. So you can just multiply that out. I did the numbers. And if that's the case, if you had a X number of dollars per migrant that we that the taxpayer has to pay for, you're talking about close to two hundred billion dollars. And uh, that the taxpayer is going to have to fund for all these services that these migrants are going to come in. They're not even getting their their uh, court date. You know, some of them don't even have a court date until, uh, you know, uh, 2033 or something like that. So completely out of control and completely avoidable uh, in my estimation. Why won't Biden do anything about it? It's a great question. And we keep asking not only, uh, the you know, uh, we keep asking the Secretary of Homeland Security why don't they do something about it? And I believe that uh, because they like what's going on. They they actually want to have this open border. Look, it's pretty easy to, to solve. I mean, uh, the first day that uh, Joe Biden came in office, he he issued a he he terminated uh, a number of Trump era executive orders, issued his own executive orders. They obviously don't work if you're actually trying to control the border. If you actually want the, the border to be chaotic and uh, and a mess, then what he's doing is working just fine. But uh, so he knows that what he did isn't working. Mayorkas knows that what they're doing isn't working. They just need to go back to the old policies uh, to stop this flow. They refuse to do that. Uh, I think they're driven ideologically. I also uh, think they're driven by forces on his left, part of his party that want open borders, that want all this immigration to come into the United States. Uh, it's on purpose. It's, it's not done by accident. Why would you want that? Now, there is a town apparently in California that's going to allow 
folks coming here illegally to vote. Is that the end game here? What's the end game for allowing an open border, particularly when you know the cartels are driving it, Chinese are bringing folks, prisons are being emptied? What, what's the end game? What, why would you want this? The only thing that I could figure is that they, they, they're trying to, that somehow all these folks that are coming in right now will be, eventually become U.S. citizens and eventually vote for the Democrat Party about the only thing that makes sense to me, uh, which is really, when you on, when you really think about it, you know, these migrants that are coming, are, uh, they, they're under incredible threat and danger. Many of them have died uh, on the way to, to, to here. Um, you know, we've had record numbers of migrants deaths on the Rio Grande and in those areas. We have migrant deaths on the way over here. Uh, I, I spent some time down in Panama and the Darien Gap and saw you know these migrants coming through that dense jungle an incredibly dangerous journey and i'm sure migrants are dying there but if this is just for politics it's really uh, really reprehensible uh, and and the only thing that i can uh, that i can figure actually that it is for politics that for some future date they feel that most of these migrants will turn to be democrat voters I think their calculus is wrong. Uh, the the Hispanic vote, most of these migrants are Hispanic. Hispanic vote is actually turning towards G, uh, the GOP to the Republican Party. Uh, so even if that's what they want, I don't think it's going to pan out. But that shouldn't be the reason why you have a wide open, chaotic border and our laws are being violated. What's behind a possible government shutdown? Well, the government shutdown, look, uh, uh, Budgetary, the fiscal years run from October 1st to September 30th. We don't have a uh, final budget for next fiscal year. And if you don't have that, if you we haven't authorized it, we haven't appropriated the funds, then that go- causes a government shutdown of certain functions, not everything. Um, and then you know, our problem with the, with the Republican caucus or the Republican conference is that we have some folks that are on the, you know, they, we have people that are on the, on the right, and then we have people that are center right, and we have some differences of opinion there. Um, we would love, I would, I would love to see uh, a funding resolution that funds the government for another 30 days or so while we get all our appropriations done. Some of our members don't want to do that. They want to have, uh, we have 12 different appropriation bills that have to be passed, and then that's sent on to the Senate, and then finally it has to be signed by the president. That takes a little bit of time. Today, hopefully, we're going to, uh, today and tomorrow, we, we get one of those done, which is defense, which, by the way, is about 70% of what's called uh, discretionary spending, uh, which is non-mandatory. Um, and then we're going to be fighting over the other 30. I think we've reached a number. Now the question is procedure. Uh, some of our members are just philosophically against a funding resolution, a continuing resolution. Hopefully, we can, um, uh, we can uh, get some of them to change their minds pass a, uh, a bunch of our appropriations bills and we don't get it all done, finally pass some kind of funding resolution that, that kind of covers the gap until we can get everything done. You know, uh, yesterday, Merrick Garland was in front of a committee, oversight committee, and a lady from Indianapolis, Victoria Sparks, who I love, really went at him. And he, she made the comment very loudly and very boisterously and very well that Americans are afraid of their own government. Now, you came you know, from Cuba where people were legitimately afraid. Is that a claim? Is that claimed by Ms. Sparks? Is that legit? 
I think some Americans are afraid of, of uh, their government. Um, not saying all Americans are, but I think some Americans are. I mean, look, uh, the uh, the way that uh, that that some Americans and they feel that the the government, especially the DOJ and the FBI, have been weaponized. When, as a parent, uh, you go in front of a school board and and you voice uh, uh, dissent with what the school board is doing, that somehow you're labeled a terrorist. Uh, that's not the America I grew up in. Um, when you have a Department of Justice that seems to have two kinds of, of justice uh, or how they, 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 you know, justice is served. If you're a Republican, if you're a Democrat, if you're the president's son, you're treated a certain way. Uh, when you're the president of the United States, former president, you're treated another way. Uh, yeah. So there are a lot of Americans that are saying, hey, is there something going on here? This is not what America is about. This is not what the Justice Department is supposed to be. This is not what the FBI is supposed to be doing. Um, and so some of them, yeah, are afraid of, the, of their own government. You know, look, we should never be afraid to speak out. Uh, this, you know, we have our First Amendment rights. And because some folks just don't follow the orthodoxy or, or you know, what is deemed to be politically correct, that you're somehow a threat to America or democracy, that's not, again, that's not the America that I grew up in. That's not the America that my parents brought me here for. Uh, Hunter Biden, last thing before I let you go, and thank you for your time, sir. Hunter Biden, uh, yeah. another guy, congressman from Indiana, Todd uh, Young, said, yeah, there may be some smoke here, but there's not any real fire when talking about Hunter Biden. I don't know. I've had journalists on that broke the story. I have one journalist that has the hard drive in her apartment She's telling me there's a lot of smoke there. Uh, wh why would anybody think there's not any fire there, only smoke? Yeah, because uh, actually what, what, if there's fire in Hunter Biden, that fire extends all the way to Joe Biden, his father. That's the reason why they're trying to cover this all up. There is plenty of smoke here. I mean, it's not just a little puff. This is, a, this is smoke rolling out of your windows. And take it from a former firefighter, because I'm a former firefighter. When there's smoke, right. there's fire. And so, uh, yeah, there is plenty of uh, smoke here. There's millions of dollars that have been funneled into the Biden family, including his grandchildren. We don't know what the Biden family does for all these uh, millions and millions of dollars that have been funneled to them. Uh, you know, the, the Democrats seem to think that somehow, if somehow we can't prove that this money found its way to Joe Biden, the president, that somehow... Everything's okay. I just don't think that Joe Biden, when uh, you know, when he's asking, and, and look for me, I, there's plenty of evidence here to say that that, that we need to look further into uh, what's happening. I believe that the president may be compromised, may be compromised by hostile powers, and if that's the case, we need to uh, perform and, and follow our constitutional duty um, and look into uh, these allegations, this evidence that points in a certain direction. Uh, and if, uh, if in fact, uh, it's it found out that, uh, yeah, Joe Biden and Hunter Biden uh, were, were involved in influence peddling, uh, bribery schemes, et cetera, I just don't think that Joe Biden would tell somebody, hey, look, here's my bank account number. Uh, why don't you, you know, pay me into my bank account number, all right? Uh, so, uh, you know, I'll have that money, you know, for me. There, I'm, I'm sure he's, he's a lot brighter than that and that there are ways to try to hide them. And look, there was a 1023 form that we have, we've seen, that was a, a highly placed FBI informant 
that said that they spoke to the executive, the chief executive of Burisma, who said that they, that that individual said that he paid five million dollars to Joe Biden and to his son Hunter, and that it would take years for anybody to figure out how it was done because they they use all of these uh, shell companies and et cetera to kind of move money around. So, yeah, I I think that we need to investigate it. I think there's plenty of fire, uh, plenty of smoke here, and I'm pretty sure there's a lot of fire uh, behind that smoke. Last. Last, last thing is, 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 at what point is the United States obligation financially to the Ukraine over? Like, at what point is, is the checkbook, I don't know, closed? Well, look, uh, the, the, there's a misnomer that somehow we're writing checks to, to Ukraine. Most of the money that's coming from the United States is actually from munitions, weapons, stuff that the Ukrainians themselves are using to fight the Russians. Uh, and so... There is no, you know, there's no blank check here. Uh, you know, do we feel that the Russians should be stopped in in Ukraine, and should we we be providing the weapons for the Ukrainians to fight the war themselves? Uh, yeah, I'm in that camp. Okay, I'm not a fan of uh, the Russian government. Remember, I came from Cuba, and uh, the Russian government helped keep my people still still is helping keep the Cuban people under the yoke of communism. And so I'm not a big fan of the Russian government. And uh, I also am not a big fan of aggression against a, a sovereign nation. And so when a nation decides that they want to fight up, fight and fight that bully themselves without not have any Americans over there fighting that, yeah, they need a little, little help with, uh, with munitions and guns and tanks, uh, planes and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm kind of okay with that. So you're you're telling me that when they announce that we're given another X number of billions, that's that's not way it is. It's 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 more in equipment. Yeah, it's the value of the munitions and the weapons and the missiles and the planes and the tanks that we send them. That's the value of that. Very little of that is actual money. So I mean that's a misnomer here. A lot of people say, oh, we're sending all these billions of dollars and we don't know how they're spending it and they could be corrupt and they could be pocketing and all that. Yeah, unless somebody's pocketing a, you know, 155 millimeter, millimeter, you know, shell in their pocket. Okay, yeah, all right. But uh, most of it, you know, and I've, and I was, and I've seen it firsthand. I mean, the, the, all the equipment that's gone over there and how it's all cataloged and a price is attached to it. And so that most of it is in munitions and weapons and missiles and all that. It's not in cash. And so a lot, I think a lot of people don't understand exactly when we say the billions, most of it is actually in weapons. Yeah, I'm glad you cleared that up because I was in that camp. I just read, hey, look, we're going to send X number of billions over. And I'm like, well, wait, I, you know, I don't want to pay tax for that. And I understand what you're saying about, about the regime. What's going to ultimately happen? Two things. What's going to ultimately happen, in your opinion, with Hunter Biden? And what's ultimately going to happen with the conflict Russia-Ukraine? Look, with Hunter Biden, I think he's, he's going to be, uh, I, I really don't know, look, you're, you're presumed innocent until until you have your trial. He's been indicted, and so he's going to have a trial. This is on weapons charges, but really, there's another. There's some other charges that he should have been charged with, which is tax evasion, and the, the DOJ, um, you know, on purpose, dragged their feet so that the statute of limitations uh, was exceeded, so that he can't be charged for some of the stuff. We know that... that 
by fact, we already know that he evaded taxes on $2 million in income. You and I, if we had evaded taxes on $2 million in income, would have been facing some jail time, but he didn't. Again, that's proof, again, uh, why people are saying, hey, well, there's a, there's a two-tier two level of justice here in, uh, in the United States. Um, hopefully, you know, we'll see some of those tax charges or some, uh, you know, not, not uh, registering as a foreign agent. Those, those are also against the law. We'll see what the DOJ brings up to that. Uh, look, um, at the end of the day, it's not Hunter Biden that's the issue uh, for the American people. Uh, it's Joe Biden. He's the president of the United States. Um, that's the real issue. Uh, if, in fact, the president of the United States is compromised and compromised by foreign adversaries, we have a major problem here in the United States. That's what we need to go and cover. That's why we will continue with our inquiry. And we're going to get to the bottom of it. Um, and then what's going to happen if, uh, in fact, the president is guilty of uh, some of these issues that he's been either accused of or indicated he may have been involved in, then, uh, then hopefully he will be impeached and removed from office. And if he's not, then his name will be cleared. One way or the other, the American people have a right to know. It's going to happen in Ukraine, ultimately. Uh, I think ultimately the Ukrainians are going to um, to withstand the, the Russian army. Uh, it looks like the Russian army it may have been a paper tiger. Um, and we also here have to keep, look, uh, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a student of history. I liken what's happening in Ukraine to what happened in 1938 with uh Nazi Germany and, and Czechoslovakia, and then eventually Poland, which led to a war. Uh, at this point, I think we need to stop the aggression of, uh, of the Russians. Uh, I think the Ukrainians are doing a great job at doing that. And, uh, and remember, the Russians and the Chinese kept supplying arms to the North Vietnamese for over a decade. Um, and eventually, the United States had to pull out. Uh, and so the Russians and the Chinese didn't supply, as far as we know, you know, uh, fighting fighting men and men and women, they supplied them with arms, and uh, and eventually the North Vietnamese were able to um, to prevail in that war against the 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 biggest military power in the in the world. So I don't think it's uh, it's beyond the pale, or, or you know, I think it's it's a reasonable assumption that the Ukrainians can do the same thing against uh, the Soviet Union, and the Soviet Union is nowhere near as powerful as the United States was. I can't thank you enough for coming on. This has been interesting as heck. Sir, thanks a lot. I know you're busy. I know you got bigger priorities, uh, but thank you so much for taking uh, 15 minutes with us. No, I appreciate it, man. So it was a good conversation, and I look forward to doing it again soon. Yeah, I hope you'll join us again. I'd love to have you back. That, that, was, that was great. Thank you, sir. That was great. Thank you. No, absolutely. I love, when I'm being, I love when I get educated by people. Like, I'm like you. I'm sitting here watching it. I think it's a blank check. And here's a guy. I always trust the guys that are in it. And I know somebody on Twitter or somebody somewhere is going to say, well, we pay for it. Whatever. I love the fact that somebody's actually there. I tell you this all the time. There's always a backstory. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. One of the good things that's happened is that we have seen that our our defense industrial uh, um, complex, right, is is lacking and because as we've been dishing out this this new munitions and and arms etc cetera, et cetera, we said well wait a minute we're, we're depleting our reserves we're using stuff that we produced back in the korean war 
all right, now we got to redo it. We, we now have to replenish our supplies for ourselves. And we're finding that, hey, uh, for too long, in a lot of these weapon systems, we've allowed that, uh, that defense industry to decay to the point that they're, they're not building that. So now we now have to restock ourselves. It will cost us that amount of money to restock ourselves. So I'm not saying it doesn't cost money because we have to restock what we just gave out, but we don't give money. We give most of them, we give munitions uh, and the value of those munitions. And so um, like Stinger missiles, we hadn't, we hadn't produced Stinger missiles here since the nineties. All right. You know, 20, 30 years ago. Well, we have new technology. Maybe we should be producing new Stinger missiles. Okay. For ourselves. And we need to buy those in order to replace the ones that we've given to, uh, to uh, Ukraine. And by the way, the stuff that we're going to be given to Taiwan also to, to make sure that they don't get invaded by China in the near future. So all that costs money, but it's not hard money. I mean, it's, it's stuff. It's not money. Okay. All right. I'm going to, since you came back on I, here, I, I, how do you react to this? Um, Patrick Harrington, who's a pretty bright guy, you know, you get to know different people by doing a show. He said, I wish you'd ask the congressman who pays to replace the American arsenal of munitions. The American taxpayer, that's who. Is the congressman playing a shell game with you? No, I just explained it to you. Okay, obviously, right? Right. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, but but the, the angst of most people, all right, I believe is that they believe it was a check, a money, and that somehow the Ukrainians were pocketing the money, okay, of the American taxpayer. That was the angst. That's what I'm, that, that's what I get. I've never, you know, I just explained to you, yeah, we're going to have to replace the stuff that we give them. We're going to have to replace it, and that costs money. Absolutely. That's the value of the stuff we have to replace. And the t American taxpayer will be doing that. But in, in, in retrospect, there is a silver lining in that, hey, we have allowed our defense industry to kind of wither at the vine. Uh, and this has actually shown us that uh, we've allowed that to happen, that we can't do that anymore. We have a much bigger adversary looming on the horizon, which is China. And we need to get it prepared for that. Uh, and we need new weapon systems. We need new shells, et cetera. And that we're going to be buying, we need to buy them. And yes, the American taxpayer is going to be footing that bill. You know, I say you're, you're in favor of it uh, because of your life experiences. And, you know, people are going to criticize that. But I always say, like, there's like 350 million people here. Not everybody's yeah. going to think alike. And everybody has to make their own decisions or, and have their own thoughts based on their experiences. And boy, oh boy. Does that piss people off when the, your, your experiences doesn't agree with theirs? Look, I, I, like I said, um, do do we have to fight aggression? The one good thing about this, you know, is that the Ukrainians are the ones shedding their blood. The Ukrainians are fighting that war. It's not Americans that are fighting the war. We're not in Iraq. We're not in Afghanistan. You know, where we actually were fighting the war. Um, this is different, and so I would much rather. Uh, give the arm, armaments, uh, the weapons uh, to a country that's trying to defend itself than to send American troops in to defend that country. Um, at least you got to give Ukraine credit for that. Okay. And so, you know, for that, yeah, I'll be willing to, to uh, send them some arms and munitions so that they can defend themselves. 
again, based on your experiences, being in yeah. Cuba and understanding the regime that, that they're yeah. fighting. Again, thanks. I appreciate you hopping back in here and, and clearing that up because I knew that was coming. I, I, I knew and I should have asked you that before, but you cleared that up very well, and I thank you for that. Okay, thanks. No, I don't, I don't, I don't play a shell game. I, I, I'll tell you, what, you know, how it is. Yeah, it costs money at the end, but it's not. Yeah, it's money here. The money's going to be spent here, all right? Um, the shell, you know, the munitions are going to be sent over there. Okay. Please come back. I will. All right. Have a great one. You too. That was a good time right there. We got next time we have this. We have the rep representative on. We got to talk some Miami Heat. We got to talk Duncan Robinson. We got to, you know, do that. But that was fascinating. That was really, really good. Thanks to. Beth the Booker for, for getting the congressman on. That was terrific. That was absolutely terrific, and I hope he will come back. I got a lot to still get to here today. Urban Meyer, uh, Representative Jimenez, just a fantastic day. This is why I like this show, because who else is going to give you Urban Meyer breaking down football like uh, nobody's business? And then Congressman Jimenez coming on, and you know what? Just getting her done. Oh, man. All right, we come back. We're going to recap the beginning of the hour, but I got a lot of stuff to get to. I got some awards to give out. You kidding me? Serena Williams takes a swipe at Simona Halep. Mad Dog Russo doing what every guy wants to do. I did what every guy doesn't want to do. I freaking forgot the lovely Lee Ross's birthday today, and I'm punishing myself inside. We'll be right back. Looking for the hottest sportsbook offers? At Outkick, find exclusive promotions, expert picks, and the latest odds. Get in the game at outkick.com slash bet. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. All right, let's get the damn awards going, ladies and gentlemen. Don't at me. That's the awards that we are presenting today on a Thursday. Number one, it should be best show in the history of shows should be right here. I don't know how this show hasn't won Pulitzer Prizes and everything else. The hero of the week, Sean McVay. Look, sports gambling is awesome. Sports gambling is fun. Sports gambling is more fun when you win. Sports gambling is awful when you lose. And if you're dumb enough to bet more than you can afford to lose, then you know what? Call 1-800-GAMBLING. Get yourself freed from any type of addiction. Don't be like Phil Mickelson who bet your face off and only when he went through some hard times and got bad PR, claim addiction. Now, let's not do that. Here's the deal. Sports gambling and Sean McVay. How do they go together? Well, Sean McVay, 10-point deficit and kicked the field goal when he did not have enough time to kick the field goal as time expired and then get an onside kick and score a touchdown. Uh, I use the words as time expired. As time expired means the ball is up and going and the clock went to zero. And he did it, he said, without knowing the spread. Look, that's good. I bet he didn't know the spread. A lot of people don't believe he didn't know the spread. A lot of people think he absolutely knew the spread. He didn't know the spread. He certainly didn't kick a field goal based on the spread. I mean, what's he going to do? Throw a Hail Mary? What good is that? Kick the field goal, get some points, and let's go. I ain't mad at McVay, and I, I applaud my crack staff because I was crabby. 
they kept telling me this was a meaningless field goal. Now, I was busy yesterday. I spoke to 25 superintendents, got a standing ovation, and then I went up north two and a half, three hours up north to uh, uh, Ligonier and gave away a bunch of bikes and had a great time. So I didn't really read the article. I just saw a meaningless field goal, and I thought to myself, you're down 10, you kick the field goal, you onside kicks, the only chance you got to win. But my crack staff, that's right, crack staff is, uh, well, they're doing things right. And they explained it to me. So you are a hero in the world of those that won. A zero in the world of those that had seven and a half. Just saying. Dunce of the week, John Fetterman. There are are a few people that I am tired of talking about. One is quickly becoming Goofy Dan Orvlosky. One is always going to be that nutcase racist Jamel Hill. And now I'm adding Travis and whatever his brother's name is, Justin, Jason, I don't know, Kelsey to the mix. I've had enough of them. Those two, the older brother, actually, the center, is going to be a star. The younger brother is going to go by the way of Gronk. Gronk's on TV for now, but it won't last. This guy I'm tired of. This guy is a walking symbol of if you lower the bar, people will hit the bar. If you raise the bar, people will hit the bar. He is the lowest common denominator in Congress today. Why? Well, first off, he doesn't respect anything. He wears hoodies. He wears gym shorts to preside in Congress. And then when he speaks, he's clearly impaired. I mean, the dude yesterday gave a rambling talk at the United Auto Workers rally that was so stupid, so ridiculous. You go, this is the best we got. Now, supposedly his wife loves him. If your wife loved you, she wouldn't put you out there like the clown that you are. Uh, Craziest story of the week. There's a couple. You could argue Justin Fields. Justin Fields said literally it was coaching. All right. And then he said, well, I would never blame it on coach. Well, you did. All right. But the really weirdest story is the NFLPA being sued or a grievance filed by the NFL against the NFLPA. Why, you ask? Well, I'll tell you why. They want the NFLPA to cease and desist recommending to running backs that they fake an injury. So it's not out of school for me to say Jonathan Taylor may be faking based on that. Maybe Austin Eckler is faking. Those are two of the most vocal guys about running backs not getting paid. And then, of course, Saquon Barkley was a third guy, and all three are out. I wouldn't pay a running back guaranteed money for any longer than a year. In fact, right now, I'm not even sure I would guarantee their money for the year. Look, if they sign and they're on the roster, they're going to get paid for the year. But that's a crazy story when the NFL has to file grievance against the NFLPA That in itself isn't a deal, but asking, quote, to cease and desist telling players to quit faking injuries. That's weird. Now, it's really, really weird. Uh, Worst week, those of you out there that get Jurgens, get a little moist towel and head to the bathroom every time you see Taylor Swift. Look, Taylor Swift, who is the queen of all things, she doesn't really do it for me. But, hey, she does it for a lot of people. Tickets through the roof, guys throwing their underwear at her. But, of course, one of the Kelseys has snagged her up. This won't last, and Travis Kelsey will have something written about him, and he will become, based on clout chasing, a major, major, major celebrity. He's already on his way there, Travis Kelsey is. But according to all reports, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift are, quote, hanging out. That's right. They're hanging out, and that's awesome. Good for them. I can only imagine 
you know, here's the deal. You got to be careful because Travis Kelsey is one of those guys that seems fairly bright, but also seems like he's a little bit crazy and would share your text messages. That's what I think. I think he would share his text messages. So if you're Taylor Swift, I'm only going, huh, the, or it. You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's who Travis Kelsey seems to me. Doesn't mean I'm right. Not saying I'm right. It's just how he seems to me. He has morphed from that white guy that is trying to be Eminem into a guy that looks like he's comfortable in his own skin now. Good for Travis Kelsey. But you lovers of Taylor Swift out there, I understand, man. Look, it was like when Eddie Van Halen married Valerie Bertinelli. Guys my age, we got sad. We did, because Valerie Bertinelli was our girl. She was starring in One Day at a Time. We all loved Valerie Bertinelli, and then we find out, wait a second. She's marrying America's greatest car, or excuse me, she's marrying America's greatest guitar player. Hell, Eddie Van Halen might be from England. I don't know where the hell he's from, but I'm going to assume he's from the United States. Wait, I never really did have a chance. I thought being the MVP in the Gary CYO Diocese basketball tournament made me have a chance with Valerie Bertinelli. Turns out I had to be Eddie Van Halen. Turns out I had to be the greatest guitar player in the world. That wasn't happening. Huh. So those of us our age weren't mad when Valerie Bertinelli bulked up a little bit. It cut the sting from us. It did. Because it hurt. It hurt knowing that the true love of our life, we didn't have a chance at. We knew we didn't have a chance at Farrah Fawcett. And I didn't like Farrah Fawcett anyway because I don't care what was peeking out. I didn't like a one-piece bathing suit ever, ever. When Gretchen Wellman, my neighbor, had all the girls over to her house when we were kids, they all wore bikinis. Fancy this. I would mow my grass when they were out sunbathing because, well, I had to take the grass clippings to the empty lot that I had to walk by Gretchen Wellman, Michelle Merritt, and all the young ladies mowing, or, uh, sunbathing. They were in bikinis. I was in eighth grade. You ever see... Sandlot, I was squints. <laughs> hey, uh, all right, that does it with that. Serena Williams has been labeled arrogant after a swipe at Simona Halep's doping ban. Serena, as a player, was extraordinary good. As a person, she's always been arrogant. Boy, I got to tell you, I don't know if I believe this. There's a lady a little bit older than me that was the head trainer, now she's a vice president with the women's tour. She always said the Williams sisters were so nice. She didn't accept when someone could beat her and took a title from her. Well, nobody does. And then what are you talking about? Who does? So whoever Serona Christia is, eh, nothing to see here. We move it along. I'm a Serena Williams fan. I didn't like when she said she was going to kill the ball girl. That didn't seem to be the right thing to do. But other than that, if Kathy Stroya thought that you were a really nice person, I'll believe Kathy Stroya. Seriously, I will. I will. I mean, don't at me. Uh, Mad Dog Russo, his plans include, listen to this, getting drunk, getting high, placing 10 dimes on Colorado. There you go. Let's hear from Mad Dog. At about 325, what? when I'm sourced, and I'm not driving in the house, 325, 
I'll put the call in to Fat Rob. 718-504. I'll put the call in to Fat Rob. Rob, you know what? What the hell? I, I can't root for Oregon. All right, you know, I'll pretend on TV. Put 10 dimes on Colorado and, Colorado and Dion. Let's win the game. <laughs> so by 325, I'll be sitting down with my shorts, little T-shirt, cocktail. I'll have the other half a gummy. Oh, you save it for later? I'll have half. I half. thought you were just rationing it. I love Mad Dog Russo. Speaking of betting, hey, look, if you haven't taken your shot with points bets, now's the time. It's the perfect moment. Exclusively, first-time points bet users. Here's the offer right now. New points bet users can get up to $1,000 in second-chance bets. That's right. If your first bet sucked, points bet has your back with a second chance. That's pretty good, up to $1,000. Get this offer by visiting outkick.com backslash bet. That's outkick.com backslash bet. Complete the registration process. Make your first bet. Your first bet happens to lose. That's when the second chance bet comes into play. Remember, as I said earlier, call 1-800-GAMBLER if you have a problem. Terms and conditions do apply. Let's see here. You got to be 21 in Colorado, Illinois, New Jersey, Michigan, Maryland, Kansas, Iowa, Indiana, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, or the great state of West Virginia. That's right. West for freaking Virginia in the house, ladies and gentlemen. The World Cup. The World Cup says, according to England's uh, Rachel Daly, she issues a heat warning over extreme temperatures in the United States and Canada. She's apparently a soccer player. She's complaining about the 2026 World Cup conditions, which, by the way, somebody said today on Twitter the finals are going to be in Dallas, maybe, allegedly. A lot of graft, a lot of corruption with the World Cup. Getting the World Cup to places is unbelievable. World Cup don't care. Is that her? Whatever she says, we're in. She's got high cheekbones. I'm a sucker for a rack and high cheekbones. Everybody's got their thing. I mean, I think Stephen A. Smith talked about a big ass. Man, you got high cheekbones? I'm looking at you. You got a nice set on you? Cans, right? Isn't that what they call them? I just can't stop laughing about it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know where I'm supposed to be better, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> hey, uh, Yuji Kichuchi bizarrely claims that he cramped up during a game because he only got 14 hours of sleep. That's my kind of guy. This morning, I couldn't believe what was happening. This morning, I went to bed last night around 10, read a book, Billy Walter's book, till 11. I was ready to go at 6. I got up. I kept reading. I got a little workout in. I did laundry. I did everything but remember my wife's birthday. But this guy, this guy, Yuzi Kikuchi, he needs 14 strong, and that's not enough. All right, let's see. Yeah, there you go. Some lady named Caitlin McGrath says, starter, you, 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 whatever his name is, thinks he'll be fine for his next start after he left the game with cramps. Biggest revelation was that he said it may have been caused by only getting 11 hours of sleep instead of the usual 13 or 14. I feel you, brother. I'll tell you right now. See this? One of the only things, look, I don't know whether sleep number beds are better or worse, but you see this thing right here? This thing tells you, it gets addicting. This is sleep number. It takes forever to load, apparently. There we go. My score last night sucked. 
said my heart rate was higher than average. I got out of the bed to pee twice. I went to bed. What time did I go to bed? I went to bed at 10.02. I fell asleep at 12.15. I got up at 6. Only peed twice, so that's a good night. But I got to tell you. Huh. All right, I like Howard Stern. I do. I, I've listened to Howard Stern. Howard Stern, Colin Cowherd, they got me through a lot of drives when I was recruiting. They did. They got me through a lot of drives because I always drove to games or a lot of games when I worked at ESPN NNNNN. Howard Stern is nuts. Howard Stern is hitting back at critics saying, well, I'm woke. You're damn right I'm woke. I'm for transgender people. Well, we're all for transgender people. Just how about we don't mutilate little kids? I don't think that's too much to ask. I don't know. Howard Stern left his compound in the Hamptons to go get, I don't know, where'd he go, CVS? I don't know. But Howard Stern famously, ridiculously, and awfully, when the Columbine shooting happened years ago at the high school, he said, whoa, what, the shooters didn't have sex with the pretty girls before they killed everyone? Look, Howard Stern has been the most awful human being if you take what he says seriously. I never really did. I thought it was all shtick. I thought it was all for the show. And I've always liked the guy. And I love Robin Quivers particularly when she talks about what she did in the bathroom one time. It's unbelievable. Cast of characters are fine. I don't listen all the time, but I have listened to Howard Stern. And now Howard Stern, because the Me Too movement, I think, changed him. He didn't want to get caught up. Remember everybody that did anything 10 years ago now had to answer? Well, 10 years ago, you rubbed up against me. 10 years ago, you said something. I don't know. Hell, we got so stupid during that, even this. This was like a white supremacy sign we were so idiotic. Howard Stern has changed his tune. Howard Stern has now become a guy that's gotten on the side of all these folks because I believe Howard Stern understands that no matter how much money he has, he's too insecure if he would get canceled. He couldn't handle it. So he's gone completely out of his mind. Seriously. Completely out of his mind. But there you go. There you go. Anyway, at the end of the day, Howard Stern is doing what a lot of people do. Get on the right side of the media. For years, Howard Stern didn't care about the media. Now Howard Stern cares about the media. And I got to tell you, I don't blame him. All right, let's recap the top of the show for those of you just joining us. Look, Urban Meyer straightened my ass out about Justin Fields. Urban Meyer said he's going to be fine. Hang in there with Justin Fields. And if Urban says it, I believe it. This was Justin Fields yesterday talking about why he is 31 out of 32 in total QBR and why he struggled. Two touchdowns, three interceptions. Here's Justin Fields. When you say thinking less, what do you think was causing you to think so much, maybe think too much? Um, you know, could be, uh, you know, uh, coaching, um, I think. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it makes it. You know, uh, they're doing their job when they're giving me, you know, what to look at and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I you know, can't be thinking about that when the game comes. I prepare myself throughout the week. And then when the game comes, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's time to play free at that point. So, um, you know, just thinking less and, you know, playing more. Yeah, and then he came back and said, I, I didn't say it was coaching. I'd never say it's coaching. What? Seriously, like, I, I'm not mad at you for saying it's coaching. You got a terrible coach. I told Sylvie and Waddle, Waddle and Sylvie. I did. I told him, I go, look, hey, let's get Sylvie on. Sylvie, I love Sylvie. But anyway, I told him, you got a bad coach. 
They called me when Chuck Pagano was a defense court. I said, you got a fraud. Next thing you know, Pagano's out. He had to retire. He was terrible. But this guy, Eberflus, we like him. He's good. Same, we belong to the same golf club. He would play early in the morning. I could never get up. I didn't know him. I'm not playing with him. But long story short, here's the deal. Very simple. You got to be able to coach in the NFL. And this guy can't. So Fields is, is uh, getting the brunt. But I got to also tell you, I don't want to hear about the excuses. Look, go play your game then. Go do what you do. If I was a coach, I'd say, all right, dude, go play it. We're going to coach you. You don't want to be coached, you're not going to play. But we're paying you a lot of money to play. They're paying me a lot of money to coach you. I used to tell players, this isn't volunteer work I'm doing. You know, I'm not an insurance salesman that comes here after in my suit and tie and coaches. This is my job. They're paying me to coach you. And Eberflus and all the other clowns that are coaching the Chicago Bears, they're paying you to coach. So if this clown doesn't think he's being coached right, then talk to him. Do yourself a favor. Find out. It's wrong. What's going on here? Well, figure this out. That's what real coaching is. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what's happened. Now, Bears are even more of a mess. I don't know what's going on. I know Allen Williams, the defensive coordinator, has been fired or quit, depending on you ask. If you pay attention to the media, the media was saying a couple of things. One, there was, oh, my God, a raid on this guy's house. There was, oh, my God, a raid on Hallis Hall. Williams is saying, no, nah, none of that happened. What are you talking about? I got health issues. I'm going to stay with my family. Okay. I don't know. One uh, very reputable website said Peanut Tillman, the former Bears legend, I don't know why he's a legend, he anything, but anyway, who is now an FBI guy, had to tell Eberflus about it. And Eberflus cried. I don't know what's what. You don't know what's what. It's all crazy. Hey, by the way, yesterday, Awful Announcing said that, well, you know, Connecticut people are wanting to get Sage Steele to run for Congress. I haven't heard anything from Sage on that other than they got too much time on their hands. I want to keep this show going to like five because I don't want to face my own guilt. I got Catholic guilt out the yang. I do. And forgetting my wife's birthday horrible. So we're going to go to woke dope but you can take out the woke and just put dope, and that's me. I've been married 172 years. I've never forgotten an anniversary. I've never forgotten a birthday. I suck. Look at my eyes. I, I, there's a little delay on this program here. My eyes tell me I'm sad. Damn, I better get some gummies, make me happy. Anyway, I don't do gummies, but everybody says it relaxes you. All right, let's walk and dope it. I'm rambling. Let's walk and dope it. I love that. Look at these idiots. Wow. <laughs> Hold on. Who's that? Wait a second. Who is that? Who's that? Somebody say it in my ear. I don't know who that is. Oh, that's John K. I knew it was somebody. Yeah. That's pretty funny. You know, Fred Gwynn, who played Frankenstein in the Munsters, basically the Frankenstein character, had a great role as the judge in uh, My Cousin Vinny. I mean, a great role. Don't besmirch the great Fred Gwynn by putting John Kerry's face on it. Oh, that does look like Fred Gwynn. 
Man, John Kerry. Mm. What's next? Oh, man. (laughs) Hey, you got to put some dressing on that word salad. I'm telling you right now. Now, I don't understand why people describe her as African-American. She got nothing from Africa about her. She's like, I don't know, Native American and Panamanian or something. I don't know. But she's an idiot. She tried to talk the other day some witchcraft voodoo stuff about putting frogs in boiling water. I was going to send it to our guys to have it ready, but I thought to myself, that's just stupid. You almost feel bad. It's almost like piling on the weak kid when you make fun of Camilla Harris and the dressing she puts on her word salad. She's a pathetic figure right now. And you got to think to yourself, man, how stupid is her husband? I mean, let's be honest. She must throw him a good one because there's no way in holy hell that any rational, successful adult male would want to wake up to that day after day and year after year. There just is no way. I mean, if I had to sit there and listen to her talk down to me, it's okay to be talked down to. Like, there's nothing wrong about being talked down to if the person that's talking down to you has your respect, your admiration. Somebody talking down to you that you think is a complete moron is very frustrating. And I got to tell you, that is a complete moron. What's next? Oh, that's just the funniest thing ever. I think Nick Part 2 sent me that this morning. Breaking! Colin Kaepernick agrees to sign on with the Jets. The Jets did not agree. Oh, that's unbelievable. That, ladies and gentlemen, is awesome. Colin Kaepernick, America's martyr, prophet, chosen one, at least according to clowns, who really, when you listen to him talk, sounds kind of like a child. I was disappointed. I'm not going to lie. I was really disappointed. I was. I was really disappointed. I thought I was going to hear like the gospel come down from the mount. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh was bestowed upon this man because I respect the fact that he took a knee, cost himself a career. Hey, I get it. But when you heard him talk, he's an idiot. Well, Dawkins, you say too many people are idiots, man. You ever heard yourself talk? Yes, I have, and I don't like it. If somebody says the way you sound, you sound like an idiot, you know what I'd say? I'd say, yeah, you're probably right. I I don't listen to me. I can't listen to me. I don't like seeing me. I can't see me. It's horrible. It's awful. Hey, before we go, I got to tell you, if you're ever in northeast Indiana, there's a little town called Ligonier. Ligonier, Indiana is America's safest town for a variety of reasons. One, the chief of police, Brian Shear, really engages in the community. Two, they just have really good people. They just do. But anyway, I went up there yesterday, and my friend Brian got the police out, got the fire trucks out. We gave away 20 bikes to kids. There's a big Hispanic community there, and there's a lot of poor folks there. But I tell you this, man. That town has respect and pride in their town. And it is all because the fire chief and the chief of police engage in their community. It's unbelievable when you go up there. And it was so much fun. I got videos posted on my Twitter page. 
blast. And I thank Brian Shear and I thank everybody in the great town of Ligonier because, man, they raised the money. They raised it in a day, 5000 bucks. We matched it. They get the bikes. We have a great time. It's 20 kids, backpacks. We had helmets. We had locks. It's awesome. So you can hate me all you want, but you can kiss my backside. I do more good in the day than any of these clowns that hate me doing a lifetime. Last thing, you got to go to the Charger house when you're there. Best fish you'll ever eat. I had to come back home for a thing. Best, I got a to-go fish sandwich. Holy muscoli. Was that stuff good? Salute to my friends in Ligonier, Indiana. Salute to Brian Shear. Salute to the Charger house. Thank you. And there's Amish there too, which you don't see many Amish in Indianapolis. There's horse and buggy. They got the hats. They got the beards. They got the overalls, the suspenders, the whole nine yards. Pretty cool. As always, we say thank you to the great people that work here, Nick and Nicholas and Nick number two and Dylan and Aaron. Gary, Beth, the the booker, of course, Haley, of course, Katie, everybody that works on the show. You guys are awesome. I'm going to go try to make uh, amends. I think Lee's gone to get a facial, so I'm going to run out and get a card. I think I'm going to get her golf ball. Nothing says love like a box of Titleist Pro V1. See you tomorrow.